Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. As of August 2nd, we have resumed in-person worship services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are committed to the health and safety of our families and will continue to offer our simultaneous live stream at youtube.com slash area 10 faith community. We hope you'll join us at the Bird Theater again soon, but in the meantime, we're providing the best possible online experience we can for you. Now, on to this week's message. So, what are you afraid of? I thought it would be an interesting exercise to look at some of the different things because um, we all get afraid. And I want to talk about fear, and not just for a week, but for about six weeks, uh, because I don't know if you've noticed, but I think fear is like on the rise a little bit, right, over the last year or two. I think people are more scared than they used to be. Has anyone else noticed that? And there's just a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety, and, and you see it show up all over culture. You see it in fights with the school board over whether kids need to wear masks to school or not, right? People are afraid, afraid of either answer to that question. They're afraid of, uh, ostensibly afraid of their children getting sick, but are maybe even more afraid of something that they will lose if that happens, of losing a loved one, of, of sickness being brought home. People are afraid of, of losing things. They're afraid of losing their job. People are afraid of um, not being able to pay the bills. People are afraid of, there's even FOMO, right, fear of missing out. People are afraid of missing out on something. People are afraid of dying. I think COVID uh, showed us that um, we are very uncomfortable with death. We are uncomfortable, we're so uncomfortable with death. We're uncomfortable with anything that makes us think about death. We're uncomfortable talking about death. We're afraid of not having something that we need. We're afraid of not having something that we want. We're afraid of uh, scarcity, a lack of something. We're, we're afraid of not doing anything that matters or wasting our time. We're afraid we're going to run out of time. We're going to run out of money. We're going to run out of energy. We're going to run out of health. We're afraid that if we speak up, we will get canceled in some way. These are, some of these fears are as old as time, and some of them feel kind of new. But it seems to me there is so much fear so much of the time right now. And so I want to talk about that and, and try to face some of those fears in, in this series. I'd like to take some time to look at the scary things and, and sort of bring them out into the light. Because I think some of them will lose their power when we can see them clearly and, and when we can shine, um, I, I think, God's light on those things. We, we won't be so afraid. Christians have historically been this. I, uh, an author that I really like says, Christians need to be a non-anxious presence. And I love that. I think Christians historically have been that. I mean, if you go back through the last couple of millennia, when, when the world is getting crazy, Christians have been the ones who have kept their head and, and kept their cool uh, when things are going nuts. And, and that has happened historically, and I, and I think that is very much needed now. We need to be a non-anxious, non-fearful presence in the world. We need to keep our heads when everyone around us is losing theirs. So in the spirit of that, I'd like to face our fears for, for two reasons. One, so we as a church can be unified and, and rooted and grounded in the midst of a city, a, 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 the commonwealth of a country where, where people get a little nuts, right? I, I'd like as a church, as a community for us to be grounded. But beyond that, for you as a, an individual, uh, or in your own family, at work, or at school, where, wherever you're kind of spending your time, um, I, I'd like you to be 
less fearful, less anxious, and, and feel more grounded. We sing songs like this all the time. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I love that. I just want it to be true. So let's not just sing the words. Let's really embrace the concept and let it sink down, not just into our heads, but into our hearts. So let's talk about fear. Um, I think there's two kinds of fear. There's a good kind of fear and a bad kind of fear. Now, maybe you're not used to thinking of fear as being a, a good thing, but it's an emotion, right? We have emotions. Emotions um, aren't necessarily good or bad. They just are. They just kind of flood the system. They're, they're warning lights on the dashboard telling us we need to pay attention to something going on inside of us. And fear is one that we typically think of as, a, as negative, but it's got some positive to it because fear is what kicks up when we have that fight-or-flight response in the body, right, when we're afraid of something. And that's not a bad thing. If I have a kid who's out on the soccer field and he's fearless, that's a good thing. Get out there, right? Get after it. Be fearless. Go for that ball. Win every 50-50 ball, you know, that kind of thing. If I have a kid who's fearless to walk out into the middle of traffic, that's a bad thing. I want him to be afraid there. As an adult, I want to be afraid of walking out into traffic. I am afraid of walking out in traffic, and that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good and, and useful thing. Fear is uh, useful. It can keep you alive. A couple of years ago, my wife and I were hiking through the Shenandoah Mountains, one of those trails out there. I don't remember which one it was. We were, we were hiking, and it was just the two of us, and you know, it was one of those hikes. didn't see anybody out there. We're out there. We're going through the woods. And we come around this corner and look out about maybe 100 yards ahead of us, and there's a bear, a big brown bear. Now, there, that's cool to see in the wild, right? Like, it's like, wow, I've only seen this in, like, children's books and at the zoo or whatever. And I'm like, brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? Uh, <laughs> and so this bear's there and sort of looks over at us. And um, I don't know what you're supposed to do when you come in contact in the wild with a bear. And, I, and I'm guessing you don't know it either and you haven't looked it up. So let me help you, because it, when you're in that moment, that's not the moment to find out that you don't know what to do in that moment, right? So I'm, I'm there, and I was like, oh, uh, okay. I mean, it's right in the past. Like, there's, we're not getting around the bear. It's like, uh. So I don't know what you would do in that moment. I would grab my phone, and I was like, Siri, what do you do when you come in? Siri was not helpful in that moment, all right? So... This was probably five years ago. I texted our staff at the church. I said, hey, guys, there's a bear. I don't know if you all know what to do, but can you tell me, what do you do when you see a bear in the wilderness? They were not helpful either. (laughs) One of them said, you get yourself really big and back away, start yelling bear. I I just couldn't see myself doing it, you know? Like, like I just didn't, it just didn't feel right. It was embarrassing. My wife's with me. I'm trying to look cool in front of my girl, you know? I'm like, I'm not going to get big and back off... (laughs) You know, I, I suppose getting mauled by the bear doesn't look cool either, but I just was like, no, nah, I'm doing it. Another staff member said, um, you're the apex predator, you should attack the bear. Uh, I think secretly that staff member wanted me killed. So I'll just, so, okay, so I was like, all right, I, so um, I, I don't have any problem admitting that I was afraid in that moment. And I was like, um, let's not go that way. And we turned around and went back. And then we eventually, later, we kind of came back through that same way and the bear was gone and and it was fine. But in moments like that, and as evidenced by the fact that I'm still here, fear is useful. Fear is useful. It's, it's, it can preserve your life. There's, there's a good side to being afraid. 
Um, it's also, the scripture also points out to us that there is a type of fear that's extremely useful. In fact, this is the kind of fear that is praised over and over in the Bible. So not all fear is a negative thing. Sometimes it's very positive. And here's a kind of fear that's very useful. The scripture says it this way. Let me just read you a couple. There's a bunch of them in the Old Testament that say this. Job 28, 28. And he said to me, behold, and he said to the man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Psalms 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Psalm 128.4, behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there's a kind of fear that's good there, and it's praised over and over. And I, when, the, when the scripture uses fear like that, we, there's a couple words, maybe some synonyms or some other words that can help us get at it. Um, words like respect, awe, submission, or obedience. So let me just explain these. Fear of the Lord implies respect. This is the kind of fear where we go, okay, I respect who God is in creation and who I am in relation to him. And, and there's, there's a, okay, whoa, you're, you're God and, and, and I'm not kind of thing. That's a, re- a respect. Uh, maybe you felt that with mama. You respect, when people say you need to respect your mama, there's a little bit of fear there, right? And that's, that's okay. It's not bad. It's not, it's not, there's not a bad relationship, but it's like, okay, mama's done some things and she deserves some respect, right? So fear of the Lord implies respect. Secondly, fear of the Lord implies awe. That, that sense of wonder, which I, somehow we've lost in culture. I don't know how we've, we've done this, but we should have an awe when we see God's work, the mountains and the sunset and the canyons. We shouldn't just see everything as an opportunity for a selfie and just move on. And like, because even in those moments of awe, the Grand Canyon or something, we should be in awe of it. And our, and our primary focus is how do I get in the picture of the awe? How can I get me and the awe in the same picture? Will you just take a picture of me standing in front of the awe-inducing thing? Because the awe is not enough on its own. It has to have me in the picture. It looks weird, right? Like, why can't we just be inspired again and, and, and notice what, I mean, what God's handiwork does. Be in awe of how animals do their thing and, and, and how the world works. Like, there's incredible stuff out there and, and, and we can't just yawn when we see it. We need to recover that sense of awe. So fear of the Lord brings that. It implies that awe. Fear of the Lord also implies obedience. You respect mama, you respect dad, but there's a sense where it's like, okay, I also need to do what you say. And, and, and obey when, when you give a, give a command. And, and so when, when the scripture talks about fearing the Lord, it's talking about those things, respecting him, being in awe of him, and obeying what he says. Um, there was a, an instance of this. Uh, this was really challenged by the ancient Israelites. They had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They came out of slavery. They wandered through a desert for 40 years. And then they were set to go into the promised land that God was leading them to, the land of Canaan, sort of modern-day Israel by the Jordan River. And they were going to cross in there. And they had a leader named Joshua. And Joshua's job was to get the people rallied. This is right after Moses. Joshua's going to rally the people to go in and invade the Canaanites and take this land. And they were terrified to do this. Being a slave for 400 years does not train you to be a warrior. 
These are not like skilled killers or anything like that. They're not, they're not warriors. They're, these are like a whole crowd of people, sort of a ragtag bunch of nomads wandering through the desert for 40 years. That doesn't train you to be a warrior. So the idea that we're going to invade and win these battles and, and take this land from this other group of people who have all the advantages of knowing the land and having defensive posture and all that kind of stuff is terrifying. So they were afraid, as one would be, of trying to do this. And Joshua gives them this very famous speech. You may have heard it before. Listen to what he says to them. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Fear, on some level, is a choice. You can be afraid of man, of stuff, of problems, of the things out there, or Joshua would say, you can fear the Lord. And then he says, I'll tell you what me and my house are going to do. I can't speak for all of you. Everyone's got this choice in front of them. You can fear the stuff, you can fear man, or you can fear the Lord. These are the the two types of fear. Um, Will you be driven by fear of the Lord or driven by fear of people? Now, that seems weird to us because that was a long time ago, but I really believe that same choice is in front of us just about every single day. Are you going to be afraid of all the things and the stuff and the people and the relationships and, and all the could be and what ifs? And are you going to be afraid of all those things? Or will we choose to fear the Lord? I've seen this in my own life. I've seen the, the temptation on all of those sides. Um, if you know me well or have been around this church uh, for years, you know that I have had some significant leadership challenges in the last five years. Um, personally, uh, within the church, um, And in making hard decisions, and when you make hard decisions that you know not everybody will like, um, I have been tempted to be afraid, and I have been afraid. I've been afraid of what people will think if I make this decision. What if I say this, what will people say? What will they think about it? Um, If I say this in a sermon, if I say this in a class, if I teach, like, what will people say? They're going to be angry, they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to leave. All these things, all that fear has kicked up in me. Uh, before, and it's been uh, really challenging. We actually, in 2016, we started a capital campaign at this church to raise money to purchase the property that we now have at 2810 West Cary, just a block from here. We wanted property close to the Bird Theater so we could do more ministry throughout the week uh, and not just have the Bird on Sundays. And um, when you start a capital campaign and you ask people for money, I had a mentor tell me, Chris, when you go to people and ask them for money, you are kicking up heart issues for people, and this is, you're going to meet resistance. It's not money issues, it's actually a heart issue for people, and this is a big deal. And there was a period during that that I was afraid, afraid of how it would work out, afraid that it wouldn't work, afraid that I would, that I would do all the things right and follow all the right steps and still be wrong somehow, and it would still be a mess and it wouldn't happen. And there was a period there where I was more afraid of that than, than anything, and, and where I just wanted to be liked. Um, I'd rather be liked by people than maybe even obedient to the Lord. And you know what that's like, right? Like, you want to be liked too. I I mean, given the option of being liked and being not liked, I would choose liked every time, right? Like, 
Wouldn't you? Well, that's the way I felt, and, and I was afraid. And, and I had to have people around me keep pushing me towards, this is why we're doing this, this is what it's about, and let's, let's do what God has given us a vision for and, and not give in to the fear. There are loads of opportunities for you to be afraid today in your everyday life. There's loads of opportunities that will challenge what you believe and then make you doubt and make you fearful of your decisions. Are you doing, are, there's loads of opportunities to be afraid of how your marriage is or how you're doing it, how your parenting is, and if you're doing it wrong. There's reasons to doubt and be afraid around public health right now, around governance strategy and policy as a nation. There's a million other little things that will cause you to doubt and that will kick up fear in your life. And are you going to fear all those things or will you fear the Lord? Because if you fear the Lord and you go, I'm going to follow him first, here's what's going to happen. It will put you in conflict with things that are being said and taught in our culture at all levels. When you stand and say, I fear the Lord and I follow his priorities first, you will be in conflict with current cultural values. And are you okay with that? Will you obey the Lord and fear the Lord or will you follow the culture? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this might sound like nonsense to you. I I don't assume when I speak in here that everybody's a follower of Jesus. But some of this might sound ridiculous. Because I'm sitting up here going, we should fear the Lord and follow the Lord, not what the culture is saying. And some of you are like, oh, what is he going to say next? Because let's be honest, people who say they're following God and not the culture have done terrible things in history, right? Crusades, inquisitions, this is why we burn witches, because we're going, well, God told me, and I don't care what the culture says, right? And I, I, I can't deny any of that. Historically, people who are like, I'm so into God, I don't care what the culture thinks, have done horrible things. But that doesn't mean it's all horrible. There's actually also been times when people who are following the Lord can critique their culture while they're sitting in the middle of it because they are tied to something that sits outside the culture. Think of Nazi Germany. It was pastors like Dietrich Bonhoeffer who criticized what was going on. While everybody goes along with it and says, this is just what we need to do as a society, there are people who are going, no, this is bad. This is not right. They stood outside the culture because they were connected to and rooted in something that is outside the culture. And and from that perspective, they were able to say, this current thing is evil. Because sometimes culture is going nuts and doing crazy things. And how will you critique it if all you are is a product of it? You have to be tied to and rooted and grounded in something outside of that. And that's what the people of God have functioned as all throughout, all throughout history. So, so are you going to be rooted in uh, God or, or something else? Will you give in to the fear of man or will you fear other things? Um, I guess one way to evaluate that is to just ask, what kind of fruit is there from being fearful of the things of man and stuff? And what kind of fruit is there of being fearful of God. In other words, what is the end result? What is the product of that kind of fear? Well, the fear of man and the fear of stuff, I almost don't have to tell you what the product of that is because we're living in it every single day. You know what fear looks like in our culture. You know what it's like when people make you and and strive to make you afraid of all the things all the time. Uh, It's that low-level anxiety. It's that fight in the school board. It's that fear of death. It's that fear of, will she leave me? It's that fear of, I won't have enough. It's it's all that stuff. 
That's the product, that, that anxiety is the product of the fear culture that we live in. That's what we're getting from it. Fear of the Lord gets us something else. Um, if you noticed in the scriptures that I read earlier, fear of the Lord is frequently spoken of as the starting point for wisdom. If you want to be wise, you first fear the Lord. And that's not just an Old Testament concept. Jesus taught his most famous message called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's recorded in Matthew, the book of Matthew, verse, uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in that, he teaches all these things about life, about the good life, about rich and poor and, and anger and lust and all of these things he goes into. And at the end of that message, he, he talks about this contrast between people who are going to be wise and people who are going to be foolish. Listen to what he says, Matthew chapter 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Jesus says, the wise person, the rooted, grounded person who when the rains come, they won't be washed away, that person has built his life on the words of God, or he would say his words, and we, we believe Jesus is God in the flesh. So on his teaching, on his words, when you build your life on that, that's how you are solid. That's how we are rooted and, and grounded. That's, that, and, and that is fear of the Lord. It is when we, when, we, when we say, I will trust him first and believe what he says first. Uh, I have a mentor uh, who over the years has, has taught me this. Because sometimes when I call him and I'm freaking out about whatever the thing is, he'll say this to me. Um, he'll say, Chris, everything goes better if you behave according to reality. Everything goes better if you behave according to reality. Don't behave according to it could be, it might, it should, it, whatever. What is and what is true, live according to reality, and it's going to go better. Living a lie is not good for you. You may, you may find that lying or living a lie is good in the short term, but in the long term, it's not going to be good for you. It's convenient in the short term. In the long term, it's either going to be found out and cause problems or a lie will sort of rot you out from the inside out. And so you want to be, you, you want to be careful of that. Um, if, so here's the question. If living according to reality is better, who defines reality? Especially in a culture with real news and fake news and all of this, this kind of stuff. And, and, and I think this is where fear of the Lord comes into play. When you trust him first your life starts to work better. When you trust God first, when you fear the Lord first and seek him first, your life starts to work better. Now, let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you trust God, you fear the Lord, and everything will be great. Because it will not. There are 11 of Jesus' closest followers, his apostles, who were martyred. They were killed for their faith in Jesus. I'm sure that brought a lot of fear the fear of death in them and what they were facing. And at no point would they have drawn out a life plan and said, I want to end my life by being hung upside down on a Roman cross. Like that was not their life plan. There's no life coach that would have sent them that direction. So I'm not saying if you trust the Lord and fear the Lord, everything works out exactly the way you want it to. 
but I do think everything works out better. I think it ultimately is better when we live according to reality and we understand that God defines reality, not us. We live in accordance to its rules. Simply put, I can, I can disbelieve in gravity, but I have to live according to its rules, and I'm a fool if I don't. And you go, oh, that's real simple. That's like a principle of science. There are lots of other things like that too. Where when we live according to the way God has ordered the world, it just goes better for us. And when we get outside of his design, that's when we start running into a lot of problems. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we fear the Lord? Let me just give you two things, then we're done. Number one, pay attention to the things that drive you to fear man. Remember, fear is powerful. It's one of the most powerful emotions that you'll have. And man, we are good as advertisers and marketers and all the psychologists that work for all the companies. They're very good at understanding that and harnessing that. We are, we are being driven to fear by a lot of, a lot of advertising in a lot of ways, a lot of, a lot of marketing, a lot of, hey, if, you don't, if I can get you afraid of something, I can sell you the solution. And that's true with products. You need to get this or you will, these things will happen. And it's also true with like politics. If you don't vote for me, this is going to happen. How many times just in your lifetime have you heard that this election coming up is the most important election of your lifetime? Here's, here's the answer. All of them. All of the elections you've heard, they say that. And it's louder. I remember thinking what a total disaster the 2016 election was. Like the, the national election for president. I was like, what a, what a hot mess this is. And, and people being like, how did it get so bad? And, well, partly how it got so bad is uh, media and companies have been driving fear for a long time because it sells. And so it feels terrible. And I remember thinking, this isn't an outlier. It's going to be this bad from now on because I'm not a very optimistic person. I'm like, ugh, wait till 2020. Y'all think 2020 was bad? Wait till 2024. It's going to, like, because somebody's making money off it. It is being sold to us. People are driving us to fear. And so notice that. Step back from it. There's a reason why when you scroll through a feed in social media, there's a reason why people have nicknamed that doom scrolling. You're doom scrolling. Oh, this is all, oh, oh, this, this is terrible. Like, it doesn't necessarily make you feel better. So, so first thing I would say is notice that when that fear of man kicks up and, and, and the things that stoke that fear. But I don't want to just give you a, so stop doing that, you know, like, like that's super easy, right? Um, and, and I don't want to tell you how to fear the Lord by telling you how to not fear man. It's, it's like saying, how do we get to Florida? Well, you get to Florida by not going to New York. Well, yes, but that's not exactly, right? So let me give you something, a, a, a second thing, real quick, um, is, is this. I would say spend time reading his words and reflecting on his works. Spend time reading his words and reflecting on his works. My fear of the Lord goes up when I read the Psalms and I understand the God spoken of there. My fear of the Lord goes up when I read and, and process Jesus' words. My fear of the Lord goes up when I sat by a lake this week in North Carolina and I saw the sunset, which was incredible, apparently because wildfires in California and smoke and whatever, I don't know. But my fear of the Lord goes up when I see his handiwork in creation. 
But, it, oh, but here's the thing. It only goes up if I reflect on it. Just reading it doesn't do it. I need to take time. I need to set aside moments to go, what is happening here really? Where, where is God at work in this? And how did he do this? And where, where is his handiwork? Read his words and reflect on his works. And that will drive the fear of the Lord. And that will help us all be rooted and, and grounded. Now, there's a lot of specific issues around fear, and I want to get into it more over these next few weeks. We will take a sort of a topic at a time over the next couple of weeks. But for now, let me just re- leave you with this sort of general question about fear. Um, two, two questions, really. Number one, what are you most afraid of right now? What are you most afraid of? Maybe something quickly comes to your mind. Maybe you need to reflect on it a little bit and go, man, there, there, there's something that's gnawing at me and driving me. What are you most afraid of? And number two, what would it look like to fear the Lord instead of fearing that thing? And you may not have a a solid answer to that, but I would argue that finding a solid answer to that is well worth your time. What am I afraid of, and what would it look like to fear the Lord instead of that thing? Let's pray. God, we are surrounded by things that drive us to be afraid. And it's a powerful emotion. And it's, but God, we acknowledge it's an emotion you gave us for a purpose. It, it's not a surprise. Um, there, there are boundaries around creation and, and there's emotions in us that help us stay within the boundaries. So Lord, um, whatever we're afraid of right now, it could be family, it could be health, um, finances, death. There's just so many things swirling about. Um, God, I, I pray that today is the start of the unraveling of some of that fear, that we would fear you first and be rooted in you first and let those other things um, be moved to the side. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.